Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. She normally says I'm her favorite preacher, so um, I don't know if she's been watching people on YouTube or something like that. What's been happening? Hallelujah. Oh, it's good, isn't it, to be here? Are you glad you came? I'll try not to spoil that then. Why don't you turn in your Bible to the book of Philippians? You can take my microphone down a little bit, guys. I'm likely to speak up in a minute. Great to have Danny back here. Danny, it's good to see you, man. Why don't we just show appreciation and... um, I told Danny he's not done. We want him back in a minute. (laughs) By a minute. I mean in a while. (laughs) Uh, It's good to see you, man. I wonder, did I say Philippians 3? But did I say what verse? I did not say that. So let's uh, have a look at verse 12. Philippians 3 verse 12. And this is going to be one of those messages where I'm going to show you something, I, I hope anyway. I'm going to show you something. And then once you've seen it, you won't be able to unsee it. All right? So we're gonna, gonna show you something here. We're gonna, we're gonna look behind the curtain at something. And, and, uh, probably for most of you who love the Bible, uh, once we're done, these verses will perhaps never quite be the same again. Not because of anything clever I'll say or do, but I'm gonna show you something that's in the text. I wanna talk about the call of God and pressing on. Philippians 3, verse 12, all those there say I. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all this. We'll unpack that in a moment, what he means. Or have already been made perfect. But I press on. Please say, press on. on. Yeah, I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. By the way, spoiler alert, he's going to now tell us two things he does. (laughs) But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Verse 14, is everyone there? I do what? I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards. Literally in the Greek, upwards. The upward call you might have in your version. In Christ Jesus. Pressing on. I want to, I want to preach as short as possible because I want us to get back into worship. So, uh, I promise you, I want us to come back into God's presence because I think there's perhaps some unfinished business 
here today. But I want to encourage you to press on. A bit like you did to the heating when the snow came down. You pressed it on. Right? By the way, how come when an alarm clock goes on, it's really going off? <laughs> anyway. I press on. I wonder what you think of when you hear the phrase, press on. I mean, what do you think that is? It's an expression, isn't it? It doesn't mean pressing a switch on. I I don't know what you think it means. The Greek is um, dioko, pressing on. There's a sense of movement, don't you think? If you press on, you're sort of moving. It's a kind of a momentum word. Well, you know, things are like they are, but I'm pressing on. It's like, no matter where I'm at, I'm going on. I'm going forwards. And there's just a sense of movement. Paul says this, well, I haven't, I'm not all that I want to be yet, but I'm going on. I am moving on. And just, just a sense of momentum in his Christian journey. Paul was moving on. Except that he wasn't going anywhere. I want you to turn back to chapter 1 and verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul, what do you mean? What has happened to you? He's in prison. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, or the whole palace and to everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. And just in case we didn't get it, verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now, there's a group of letters Written by Paul in your New Testament. In fact, about two-thirds of the New Testament is written by Paul. But there's a particular group of letters. And if you studied the Bible just, just a little bit, you may have heard of this before. Called the prison epistles. These are exactly what it says on the tin. Letters written by Paul when he was in prison. And there's a number of them. And one of them is Philippians. And it's clear from chapter 1. Paul says this, I am in chains. Now, we think, we think that probably this is a letter written round about, excuse me, the end of the book of Acts. In Acts 28, Paul gets 
to Rome and he's uh, imprisoned for a long time. And uh, Paul was probably not in chains 24 hours a day. But it is clear, he tells us, that part of his incarceration, for sure, involved being chained probably to a wall. And so here is a man of God with chains either around his feet or his, his wrist. And the chain goes and connects itself to a wall. And we know that there are guards involved because he told us that in chapter 1 it's been heard throughout the whole palace guard that I'm in prison for Christ. In other words, he evangelized all the guards that came in. So I want you to just make a mental photograph in your imagination of the Apostle Paul. We hear is a little fellow with not much hair and a big nose. But whatever he looked like, there he was, chained to the wall with a guard, at least sometimes, standing right here. In your mind, draw a chain from my wrist to that wall, would be a good deal nearer, and a guard here. And here's what the apostle had to write. He said this, guys, I'm pressing on. But he wasn't going anywhere. In fact, I'll just throw this in. When you're in prison in New Testament times, you're not, punishment is, doesn't lead to imprisonment. You're in prison while they decide, are we going to execute him or let him go? So you don't go to prison as your punishment. Your punishment is death. Or, or you are let off and you are released. So prison is just the administrative mess up where they haven't got around to deciding what to do with you yet. Prison's an admin problem. It's not a punishment. So when Paul is in prison, it means this. He's sort of on death row all the time. He could be killed tomorrow. And what does he say? I'm pressing on. So here's what I want to ask. What's he talking about? He can't be talking about planting churches. Because uh, <laughs> he's chained. He can't be talking about mass evangelization of the Greek and Roman world. Because he's in prison. He can't be talking about doing tours of the churches, teaching the Bible, because he's in prison. And yet, he's pressing on. And I want to put to you today, Paul could not go out, but he could go up. I press on to take hold 
of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Today I want to talk to you just for a few minutes then we're going to pray, I promise. I want to talk to you about the call of God on your life. But I hope already, by virtue of this introduction, you know this ain't going to go quite the way you thought it might go. When we're talking about the call of God. You are called by God. You are. But knowing him is the call of God. The call, the primary call, the most important call, the call that goes above all other calls, is to know him. Are you still in Philippians? Go back to chapter 3. Verse 12 said, not that I have already obtained this. What's he talking about? Let's go back to verse 7. Philippians 3 verse 7, all those there say I? Now what was to my profit? I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Compared to what? The surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Look at verse 10. I want to know Christ. Here's the call. The call is to know Christ. Now, if we did a normal sermon on the call of God, we say, oh, well, I'm called, you know, to this. I'm called to that. Well, today, let's just move that off the table. We're all called to exactly the same thing. We're called to know him. Yeah, yeah but I'm called to prophesying. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm called to casting out demons. I'm called to do many miracles. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did we not cast out many demons and perform many miracles? And what does the Lord say to them in Matthew 7? Depart from me, I never knew you. (laughs) One of the scariest verses in the Bible, would you agree? (laughs) I don't know who you are. Well, don't you know me? I'm, I'm Brother Dingaling. I I traveled the world prophesying. Uh, I, I don't know who you are, he says. Well, don't you know me? I, I, I had my own podcast. I used to do Miracle cures. I don't know who you are. I'm Sister Doodab. I used to send out miracle handkerchiefs. The Lord says, 
I don't know who you are. Who are you? Who are you? We didn't really meet. You went off and did stuff, but you didn't, you didn't know me. See, we are called. But we are called to know him. Now when you know him, when you know him, then you can do an outward call. But you can't do the outward call without doing the upward call. Some people are called, some people are sent, other people bought a cheap microphone and went. (laughs) The upward call. And sometimes, and let me speak as a charismatic to other charismatics, right? So this is, this is, this is a cleanup of our own house, as it were. It's not dirty laundry. This is an internal matter. What does the Bible say? We need to get things right in the house. And sometimes in the charismatic world, there's this obsession with people's gifts and anointings. I need a new anointing. What was wrong with the old one? What are you talking about? When Goliath shows up, what does King David do? I need to go back and get a Goliath anointing. No, he had the the flame. But in our own world of gifts and callings and and it's not just the charismatics. In all churches you find Christians who say, well, the pastor's got to make me feel fulfilled. No, he doesn't. Jesus didn't die so that insecure people could get tasks in churches. And feel like they're important. Quite the reverse. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God doesn't owe me fulfillment. That's why, by the way, just, I was going to say off the record, but I'm being filmed by two cameras. (laughs) (laughs) But off the record, I don't like this gospel that says, God loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life. Can we stop telling people this? It may be true. Or maybe they'll die the next day. But they'll go to be with him. The thief on the cross, remember him? God had a wonderful plan for his death. Not his life. We've got to stop telling people that Jesus will make their dreams come true. We're here to make his dreams come true. Come on. That's the Bible, isn't it? He's not here to make my dreams come true. Give me a Pentecostal break. Paul said this, I can't go anywhere. I'm chained to the wall and there's a guard here. But I'm on the move. I'm going up. I'm going up. I can't go out. But I can go up. I can meet him. 
I can know him. Mark chapter 3, and is it verse 14? I think it is somewhere around there. Where, where Jesus calls his disciples to him. And it says, and he designates some of them apostles, sent ones. But it says this, so they might be with him. Is that right? Have I got the verse right? And they might send him out to preach. He designated them apostles, sent ones. Right? Apostles go and do things. They don't have business cards. They don't have business accounts on jet planes. They go and do dangerous things. They go with the gospel. But he, he, he called them his sent ones. But he said, but, but this is so that you'll be with me. And then I can send you out to preach. What we mustn't have in the body of Christ are people being sent out to preach who aren't being with him. What a nightmare. People going to talk about a God that they don't really know. Just what somebody read to them in a paperback. Or what they saw on YouTube for seven minutes. Jesus wants me to be with him. And if I can be with him, then he can send me. The father, as we read of in Matthew chapter 9, the very end, is of course looking for laborers to thrust into his harvest field. But in order to be laborers worthy of the harvest field, we must first be lovers of the father. So he can send us as laborers into his harvest field. So number one, the real call of God on my life and yours. No matter who we are, some people are professional Christians like me. Look at me. I'm a, I'm a, this is what a professional Christian looks like. It's not very glamorous, is it? So some people are called to acts of service, leadership and tasks. And I'm not asking anyone to come off tasks. Don't you be emailing in going, well, the word of the Lord came to me. I need to come off the rotors. (laughs) Some Christians treat the church like a helicopter. They don't get too near lest they get swept into rotors. No, it's, it's not about stopping serving. If Paul could have served, if those chains had come off, he'd go serve. And we know that he did. After Acts 28, we know a little bit about him from the pastoral epistles. He seems to make it to Spain and he goes back to Ephesus. I mean, he, as soon as he gets released, he goes. But when he's confined, he still goes. Because he goes to his true calling. Look, I realize that people may feel burdens to do certain tasks for God. You may feel a call to serve the Lord abroad. But right now, you've, you've got two children. And, and one of them's your husband, right? 
<laughs> Patients found that a bit too funny. <laughs> yeah. No, but right now, you know, you may feel a call. You know, people come and talk about the call of God and, and the Holy Spirit come in. And you're thinking, yeah, but you don't understand. I'm, I'm working two jobs at the moment. I'd love to go and do this and that, but I can't. I've got a little one running, running around the house at the moment. And another one on the way. What am I supposed to do? And another may feel, oh, well, you know, I'd love to do this, but, t- but boy, oh boy, I'm just trying to pay my rent at the moment. Never mind air tickets to world missions. Or someone else saying, look, I've got family that are sick. I need to look after them. I'd love to go on the evangelism nights and, or I'd love to be more involved in Bible study and prayer, but right now I've got to look after my mum. Hello? Oh, I'd love to go and do this. God wants me to serve him. I know it. I know it. But right now the doctor is looking at me because there's a cancer in my, I'd love to go. But I'm just, but medically, and, and I understand that might be deeply frustrating. So hear the word of the Lord today. Press on. Press up. Press up. But I'm chained to the wall. I'm chained to the wall. I'm chained to my health. I'm chained to my overdraft. I'm chained to my kids. I'm chained to the absolute godly, godly duty to look after my family who need me. I understand. But there was one exactly like you who could not do all that he wanted to do. So he pressed on for the upward call. COVID was really interesting because lots of us couldn't go out. So then the challenge would come, well, are we going to go up? And I want to suggest to you, if we were going up before the pandemic, we went up during the pandemic. And if we relied upon church services and activities for our Christian faith, then of course the pandemic hit us hard. Paul was locked in. He was in lockdown for sure. But he went up. You can go up. The Apostle Paul said this, I want to know. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. So number one, the real call is to know him. It's to know him. Number two, the call is up, not just out. Number three, the call will evolve loss. Verse 7, chapter 3. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness 
of knowing Christ, for whose sake I have lost all things. Oh, oh dear. So there's a price, is there? Yeah, yeah there is. Just that tiny little phrase in the NIV I just read. Loss for the sake of Christ. So here comes the more challenging part, which is this. How much are we prepared to trade? Look, if God called you to be a missionary in South America, you would go to night classes. You'd learn Spanish. You'd get an air ticket. You'd have to give up your job, you know, all sorts of things, perhaps. To go and do something that we would normally think of as the call of God. But now let's bring it back to our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is also about loss for the sake of Christ. What will we trade in order to know him? I love that little phrase in the book of Revelation where Jesus comes to the door and knocks. You know that? If anyone will open the door, I'll come in. But just before that, in Revelation chapter 3, towards the end, it says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold. And I love that verse because there's this funny idea that everything in Christianity is free. But Jesus says this, you want my gold? Let's trade. Buy it. Now you don't buy it with money. But perhaps you buy it with your time. Maybe you buy your relationship with him with your time. And maybe there are certain leisure things that you do that maybe for the sake of Christ you could consider them rubbish compared to the all-surpassing greatness of knowing him. Paul said this, in order for me to have this amazing relationship with God, I have suffered loss. I've had to lose things. Now, Paul was a Pharisee, wasn't he? So up until the day that he has his Damascus Road experience, he is more religious than anyone in this room or watching me on social media. So he already was a fully religious type guy, but he understood that in order to truly know God, he'd have to do a trade. And the once honored Pharisee Saul of Tarsus, esteemed, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin, all those things he makes fun of himself about in other parts of the New Testament. There he is, with barely any clothes on, with a chain on his wrist. And you know what he says in that prison? He says, I'm winning. This is better. 
So the Lord wants us to have the upward call. But it might cost us. And, and my fourth and final thought is this. Restriction might even be to our advantage. I think that's what Paul is saying. He said, it's actually marvelous that I'm here. Because now, now, perhaps, my focus, it's not on planting churches. <laughs> Although his heart was there. My, my focus is not on doing things. It's not on being fulfilled. It's not on having my gifts put to good use. So I feel like my life's worth living. He realized that actually the real goal of the Christian life could be fulfilled in a, in a, in a dungeon. See, maybe God has called you and maybe there are restrictions right now. Or maybe people don't recognize your calling. Well, they won't let me do this. They won't let me do that. There might be a reason why they don't let you do that. <laughs> don't think you're Elijah and the pastor's wicked King Ahab. That's probably not the case. <laughs> but maybe, maybe right now, maybe right now you're, you're not fulfilled. Maybe right now you're not doing what you feel that you can do. But listen, the only person Preventing you from the upward call is you and me. The only person preventing me from the upward call is me. All sorts of people might tell me, Peter, we don't want you preaching here anymore. Not that many, obviously. <laughs> Although I did was a bit controversial at a wedding yesterday. <laughs> I think that's my wedding list activities down. You know, all sorts of people can stop me doing this. They say, well, we don't need to do this, we don't need to do that. But only I stop myself from going up. And restriction might be a blessing. Listen, Pentecostal charismatic people, they don't like to hear this kind of stuff. But maybe not being able to get out, maybe being on your back with an injury could be the best thing that has happened to you. Oh no, don't say that. But it's true. If we go up, being limited, being off work for a while, even being stressed out, God could work it for good. Because you, you could take that time to go up instead of Going out. So, Danny, come on out. So we want to have, we want to have the call of God operating in our lives. And I know that many watching me and here in the room and listening to me, I know there's a call of God on many of you to do things. But let's finish with that. That little piece from the Christmas story where Gabriel bet you didn't think you'd hear Gabriel's name in March 
But when Gabriel appears to the old man in the temple, and he says this to him, I am Gabriel. Gabriel means the messenger of God. I am the messenger of God. And he says, and I stand in the presence of God. And he says, I've been sent to give you this message come to pass in its proper time. Gabriel was the messenger of God. That was his name. He was gifted, anointed, set apart. That's what God wanted for him. To be God's messenger. And he went on Deployment. Here I am. I've come to give you this message. Goes to Mary. Goes to one or two other characters. In the Bible. But he says this. I stand in the presence of God. That was the vital component, wasn't it? Before gave even the angel Gabriel when on his outward call he understood he had the upward call the heavenly call to stand in the presence of the Lord why don't we all of us here today right now stand in the presence of the Lord come on It's not a prophecy to know. It's not special Holy Spirit knowledge to know. It's just common sense. To know that in a room like this and those watching online, many will feel like that you're chained. have ambition passion even divine calling which goes beyond your capacity to fulfill because you're either broke or you're not in the right job or you're going through the most terrible time or you're in a wilderness Perhaps you're ill. And maybe Jesus just wants to come and talk to you. Just sit down with you now. And remind you. 
that it's all about me. It's all about knowing me. There is no greater thing in the words of that wonderful song. And maybe you want to pray a prayer a bit like this. Lord, will you just forgive me for having my eyes on being used by God or being fulfilled it's not that those things are wrong in and of themselves but they have to be in the background and knowing him in the foreground hallelujah Should we lift our hands and just tell him? It's not about having an appeal. It's not about coming out. But just where you are, just to tell him, Lord, forgive me. It's all about you. I may be chained up at the minute, but it's all about you. I may not be able to go out and do stuff, but I can go up. I can go up. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.